I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy One, we thank you for being able to worship this morning. For the words of the psalmist that cries out and um, your ears that are always willing to listen. Help us this morning find a rhythm that grounds us in your love for us, that instills within us practices that we might be your faithful people in the world. Speak to us this morning, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, so welcome again, and uh, thank you for being with us. I'm Pastor Brian, um, the lead pastor here at Kailua UMC, if you missed the introduction uh, at the beginning of our live stream. Um, we are starting a, a new series together, and it's a series called Rhythm, or uh, more appropriately, Out of Rhythm, because one of the things that I have heard over the course of the past few months is that people feel like their lives are out of sync that they've lost a sense of rhythm of normally, you know, commuting, dropping your kids off, or even the ways in which if you're retired, that you gather together in social groups, whether that is through the Rotary Club, which I know some people are able to do still online, or whether that's here, gathering on Sunday morning in worship. And as I've been uh, preparing for this sermon series about rhythm, the reason uh, that we wanted to talk about it is because right now, as you know, that the COVID-19 cases are on the rise. The church council has been planning to hopefully uh, begin a live in-person worship at the beginning of July. But with COVID-19, we just don't know what the next day is going to bring during this pandemic. And we, uh, at one point, might think that we're opening. At another point, we might have to take a step back. Um, more will hopefully go down later, but we don't know what's going to happen. And so planning during this time is incredibly difficult. I know for me, I am a strategist and a planner to the max, so I like to know everything that's happening uh, beyond. And, you know, right now, my, my kids are able to start going to preschool because our preschool just opened, but I know that that might just be a temporary thing. Um, as school comes back into August, we know that that might go for a little bit, but it also might not. We might be uh, at home more over the past year. We might be doing other things differently like we are. The new normal will, in fact, be, I believe, new. It won't be uh, just a pure return to the old. And, and as I think through that, I think about what can we talk about during this time that might help us in our faith practices. You see, because for a lot of people, especially in the West, especially in America, church is this building, the place that we gather on Sunday mornings, where we come together to praise God, to sing, to have music, to have fellowship, to have a, a pastor like me have words for you. But Sunday morning has always only been a piece of the puzzle of what makes up the beautiful mosaic that is Christian life together. Uh, in fact, as I've been preparing for this sermon series, I've been looking over my notes from Divinity School, and, uh, and one of my appreciations is that the changes that have taken place within Christianity over the course of the millennia. I found myself reading uh, St. Benedict in, in preparation for prayer, and Benedict was a, the leader of the Benedictine monks uh, around the you know, 5th century uh, uh, AD after Christ. Um, and I have seen how they pray, and then how it's transformed during the early uh, Middle Ages, and then how the Reformation in the mid, uh, 
well, in the 1500s, changed that, 1600s, and then how it's changed today. And I think that the, what's fascinating to me is, though, even though things have changed, prayer looks different, gathering Sunday morning looks different, uh, the way in which people engage in their spirituality looks different, there's this rhythm of Christian life that stayed true. That prayer might look different, but prayer is still a bedrock of what it means to be Christian. Because a, a Christian, that word is associated with those who seek to be Christ-like, not someone who gathers in a church on Sunday morning. That was a portion of what Jesus did, go to the synagogues and teach. But so much more of his life was spent out. And last week we talked about that, the great commission of sending the disciples out to the world to proclaim the good news. And, and that's exactly what we talked about. We talked about that the rhythm of Christian life proclaims the good news in the world. But the thing is, is that rhythms look differently for different people. I, I know that one of my uh, rhythms that I try to have, and I, I'm honest, is a deep prayer life. And I say try to have because, you know, life happens, right? Like this morning, I, I got up and I'm like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm preaching on prayer, so I'm going to get my heart in the right place. I'm going to be prepared for this sermon. And, you know, I was up early. I was up at 5.30. I made my coffee. I got it. I sat down, and then I set my watch because I uh, helped my watch do like a, a meditation prayer because Apple does that. It says a breathing, and it kind of like helps pace my breath for, for five minutes. It was going to be for five minutes. And I think I got three breaths in, and then all of a sudden I hear a door open and close, and then out strolls one of my children, bright and early, earlier than they've woken up in the past five days, but there they were, and it was no longer the meditation moment that I had anticipated. <laughs> it was asking questions about this and asking questions about that, and it was just different than I had imagined it to be. And I'm sure that this has been the case for you at one point or the other throughout this time. That you have had all the best intentions or that your rhythms that you once had that were these healthy rhythms have all gone by the wayside or things are so different, people are in the household and we're all like sardines and unable to get that room to breathe and to get that freedom that we had to have those practices that were there. And so this time is a time when we can renegotiate some of these practices that we have, these rhythms, so to speak. And, and I think that prayer is a foundation for us. When we think about prayer, uh, or when I think about Methodism, one of the theologies that Methodists hold true to that I found myself uh, being drawn towards when I was figuring out where God had me, uh, calling me into ministry, and um, what denomination, because I didn't grow up Methodist, um, but one of the things that stood out to me is called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. It's the way we approach hearing God and, um, and discerning God's voice. And I had to uh, spend a lot of time in the evangelical world where it was, you know, simple. It's like the Bible says and you do. Um, but the more I studied the Bible, the more complicated it got and the more I realized that it wasn't as easy and straightforward. But Methodists have this thing to interpret the Bible. It starts with the Bible and then we include our experiences, we include church tradition, and then we also include reason. So scientists and sociologists and psychologists all play a role in shaping our interpretation and how we uh, hear God. But all of it, as they would say in divinity school, is steeped in prayer. 
Prayer is probably one of the most foundational spiritual disciplines. That, frankly, is probably not a set fast discipline. <laughs> As we began this sermon series, I said that there is orthodoxy and orthopraxy. And those were fancy words for right belief and right practice. And I think in both of these, there's really no right way to believe in prayer. And there's really also probably not necessarily a right practice as much as there are a diversity of ways we believe in prayer and the ways it impacts our lives and a diversity of ways we pray. See, because when I fell into the Christian tradition, uh, one of the churches that I worshiped at on a regular basis was at my uh, best friend, well, one of my best friend Mike's uh, church, and it was an Assemblies of God church. And um, I don't know if you know anything about Assemblies of God church, but it is uh, what's called Pentecostal. That, that is to say that it, it has a vibrant kind of move by the spirit moment. And so for them, prayer was all about spontaneity. That prayer was, uh, it wasn't supposed to be ritualized. It wasn't supposed to be a, a said prayer that was pre-scripted. It was supposed to be a prayer that came from the heart. That, you know, you don't use the fancy language and the different words that you have. You just simply, as they would say, talk to God. And that is definitely a refrain I've heard on a number of different uh, times, is that prayer is talking to God. This emotive heart conversation with God that we have in that moment. But as you may or not remember, uh, I've done it probably on multiple times because it's an analogy that I have with the children's moment on Sunday mornings. One of the challenges with that is that talking to God, at least in sort of my frame, can end up looking like this. You know, you pick up the God phone, and then you just start talking away. And you talk, and you talk, and you talk, and you talk, and you talk. And I, I think that I never really realized that I did it. But it was kind of part of the, the vein of Christianity that I had, been, uh, had grown into. And it wasn't until I was in Japan, living in Japan, that I realized that there was more to prayer than simply talking. And sometimes you have to learn things from people that are um, much different or totally different context, and sometimes you don't. So I'm sure that many of us have uh, found meditation prayer or centering prayer uh, throughout our Christian tradition because it's there. But I remember going to um, a Shinto temple in Kyoto, Japan, and it was this great arrangement that um, they let us stay overnight uh, in the temple, and then after you stay overnight in the temple, you could also have a, a private sort of lesson with the priest in the temple. And the, the priest would teach us or taught us about meditation. And, and he was just the nicest guy. He went to, I think it was like Arizona State University or something to study religion and then ended up going back to Japan. So his English was fluent. I mean, he showed us all sorts of Christian symbolism that was built within the, this old temple within Kyoto. Um, but I remember sitting there and I remember uh, being in the room where they would pray. He lit an incense and then he began to describe to me what prayer was to look like. And it was unique because, you know, we pray, we just simply talk to God. Close our eyes or whatever you're going to do. But he, you know, said, this is how you sit. And he put a pillow down and made me sit with a pillow with my legs crossed and put my hands in a particular place. You know, he came behind me. He fixed my back. He had me sit upright. And then he goes, okay, there, now you're ready. As if, you know, body posture had something to do with it. 
And then he decided, and then he played a, a gong, and he just hits the gong. And, and then he says, just listen to the gong. And I listened to the gong. And then he said, now I want you to start breathing with it. And so he hits the gong, and then that's your breathe in. As long as you can hear it ring. And then he hits the gong, and that's your breathe out. And he said to me, this is the rhythm that's going to pace your prayer. And the goal of it is to center yourself. You know, right now, I, I hear all the cars bustling by in the background. The goal is to allow the hustle and bustle of life, he said, to dissipate and to become one with the beyond. You know, and I was told in uh, sort of a Christian context that I was growing up that it's centering prayer is not what you're supposed to do. It's not about emptying yourself. It's about filling yourself with God. But there was something in that moment, and it, and it was brief. It was like a 15, 30-minute time of silence. There was something holy that I found there that I realized I did not have in my prayer life. My prayer life was so devoted to talking to God about my day, about my needs, about the needs of others, that I didn't pace myself. And, you know, of course, like I mentioned this morning, I had all the intentions to do that this morning when I got up, but then life happened. But as I was studying Christian spirituality throughout the millennia, I started to realize that the way that we approach prayer is this usually kind of talking to God about needs or about things that are going on in our lives, which I think is great. There is no wrong way to pray. But that specific way is limited. In fact, um, I talked about one of the things I've been doing on Sunday mornings before, when, uh, before we worship. I do my morning prayer, and I, and I put it live on Facebook and on Vimeo. So if you want to pray with me in the mornings. But one of the things I try to do is I try to explore a different form of prayer each day. And so this morning, Carol happened to be in the sanctuary playing the organ ahead of time. And so I talked about how music is prayer. A few weeks ago, I talked about how we've been doing different work in the sanctuary, and um, I, I got to participate in the cross uh, renovation, so to speak, the cross that hangs over uh, the altar. We, we brought it down, and I spent time sanding it. And, you know, one of the things that people say sometimes when they see me doing the, like, hands-on, oh, pastors, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You, someone else should be doing that. But that was one of my most prayerful moments I've had in the sanctuary, period. Because I, I, as I worked, I thought about all of the people that would view the cross, that would gaze upon the cross in search of hope and peace and love, whatever they're coming to find as they gather here or as we gather online, that they would look upon the cross and then as I was preparing for this morning's sermon, I, I remembered vividly that that work is what St. Benedict called prayer at work. Ora et labora in Latin. That 
St. Benedict believed that as the monks would work in the garden or set their hands to doing the, the dishes or cooking the meals or whatever it was that that monk's task was, that that was in a form work. And I personally also find that to be true for me. I like to work with my hands. I like to paint walls. I like to sand things down. And one of the reasons is because that's a time of prayer for me. What are your times of prayer? See, because we can go through a ton of different practices every single week when we talk about these rhythms. We could talk about Lectio Divina, which is praying through the Bible. We could talk about praying in color. We could talk about centering prayer, where we empty ourselves, like my experience when I was at the Shinto temple. And we could talk about uh, reciting prayers together, like reading prayers and different things. We could talk about praying the Psalms. We could talk about so many forms of prayer. But my question to you is, what is your grounding prayer? And how do you fit that in to your life during this time. See, because I use the word rhythm, and I've also been using the word practice, if you've noticed. It kind of brings it in. And one of the things that I have found true is that practice is essential. I grew up playing sports, and so I believe in the importance of practicing. And when you're out of practice, you're out of rhythm. And there's this leadership guideline that, you know, talks about what it means to be, uh, I don't know if you've heard, it's like D1 leadership, D2 leadership, and D3 leadership, and D4 leadership. It's convoluted, but the most important thing, the way that I interpret it, is that there's people that don't know how to do something, just don't even know that it exists. For example, let's use tennis as the example. They don't even know what tennis is, never seen it played. And then once you've seen it played, you now move into this new realm of doing something, which is that all you know about it is that you can't do it. And then you see someone playing tennis, you know you can't do it, and that's where you stay. And then there's a, another level of learning something and leading someone, and that's this level that you know what you're doing, but you have to think about it all the time. And so I, I'm not very good at tennis, but I like to play it. But I'm always thinking about, do I have the right form to get the backspin on it or the topspin on it? You know, am I doing this right? Or when I play the guitar, similarly, because I don't play it enough. But then there's this transition that happens. And that transition goes from when you have to think about everything you do to when it just happens naturally. That it just flows from your being and no longer are you thinking about backspin and topspin. No longer are you thinking about you're just playing the game. And I think one of the challenges in this with our Christian life is that we see people here that are just playing the Christian life without even thinking about it. And then we find ourselves over here that we just can't do it. And I think pastors play into this role. Because when I get up and I pray, I use these fancy words without even thinking that are formulated, ways in which I have been traditionally formulated throughout the centuries, yada, yada, yada. And you see me praying like this, and then I get into a committee meeting, I get into a small group, and people say, Pastor, can you pray? Pastor, can you pray? And then you hear me pray over and over again, and you kind of see the, like, expert, so to speak. And then you're over here, and you say to yourself, I can't do what that person's doing. You can. And practicing it is how you get there. 
It doesn't mean that I'm a better prayer, someone's not a better prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. But that seamless, the way in which it just kind of flows out of you, happens when we pray and when we practice prayer. How are you practicing prayer as a rhythm of your life? But now here's the challenge. I mentioned the plethora of ways that we can pray. The challenge is, how can you find a new way to pray? A way that isn't in your comfort zone or it's different than your normal routine. How might you find a new normal? See, because there's one thing that I know about, uh, or one thing I think I believe about uh, contemporary Christianity is that this sort of notion of talking to God builds upon uh, this idea within uh, Western American culture of consumerism. That one of our biggest dangers in prayer, I believe, is when it becomes about us or about the things we want or need more than others. Well, and even when it's about our family or friends or whoever we're praying for, when it focuses on us getting something and about what we need or what we want to happen in the world, I think that's an important asking you will see or asking you will receive. But prayer is also, I think, throughout Christianity, been a time when we empty ourselves so that God may come in and use us in the world early monastics and that went off into the desert, fought temptations, and they prayed through them so that they might, so that they might do God's will in the world, whatever that be. Similarly, uh, a contemporary Benedictine, uh, Sister Joan, who if you just Google her, you'll kind of pull her up her videos. She talks about praying I don't remember the quote exactly, but praying allows us to release ourselves and to see the vision of the world as God intends it to be. And I, I don't know about you, but that is what we need now more than ever. We need more rhythm of prayer so that we can see how God intends the world to be, and then we can pray that into reality. Not that we know exactly what it looks like, but that God might bring it on earth as it is in heaven, like that prayer we say every time we gather called the Lord's Prayer. And so I'm going to invite the praise band back up because we're going to move from the sermon into a time of prayer. But I want you throughout this week to truly invest in your prayers. And I'll be honest, this is me being transparent. I'm not as good about being intentional about prayer as I ought to be. And one of the things that I do is I just kind of you know, rely on the Paul's phrase, pray without ceasing. So as I go throughout my day, I just pray throughout the day, which is true, and I do that. But my commitment this week is how might I pray as a practice and instill that practice into my rhythm and how might I explore other ways of praying that aren't my natural way. 
so I invite you to do that. And if you have ways in which you pray or resources that help you, post them on Facebook. Send us emails. We'll send it out. However we do it, let us pray that God would break through our wants, our needs, our desires, and God would use us in the world.